Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Revealing and unconcealing, what is it that is getting in the way of our potential as human beings? Exploring the power of the body-mind and our current relationship with reality. Together, I want to dive into an inquiry into what is happening in our world today and who we are being and how we are living in it, both individually and as a species. What is it that is keeping us stuck, causing us to repeat the same patterns and cycles? What is getting in the way of our potential and our evolution as a species? I'm Nikki Clinch, and I am your host. I will be sharing the science, research, and many human stories on why we are the way we are and what is required for us to outgrow our current way of being and birth a new possibility for ourselves. Because now is the time to remember and to discover our infinite potential of being human. Welcome to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. I am Nikki Clinch, and I am your host. I'm going to be talking to you today through this episode and through this mind field of a topic, but it's an important one. I was a little nervous to dive into this one because we kind of need like a thousand episodes to really cover this. But, and I'm also, you know, I am a teacher of ontology and maturation and I, I study the nature of the human mind and human behavior. But I also want to humbly say that I am still a student of such an extraordinary extraordinary thing as our mind. So today's topic, understanding the human mind and the nature of our thoughts and our relationship to our thoughts. This is, I would say, the entry point of diving into such a huge, huge, huge topic, but hopefully it'll be helpful for you. So Let's just dive straight in. Well, firstly, I think we can all agree that the current relationship that we as human beings have with our own mind is a major source of suffering. In fact, we currently don't have a particularly evolved relationship with our own mind. I think that is changing it's certainly changing faster than ever, particularly in the last two years, but still it's slow. And when I say slow, I mean for something that causes us as much suffering as it does, it's amazing to me how much we as a species and we as individuals just kind of suck it up with this relationship with it that we have with our mind. And I, I think from my experience of working with people and also in my own training to be a clinical ontologist and a maturation facilitator is that we don't even realize 
that we could have a more evolved relationship with our own mind. And I say that lightly because there have been extraordinary teachers, far more extraordinary than me, Krishnamurti, um, Ramdas, Raha Maharashi, you know, just serious ancient elders, way, 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 way more wise and conscious than I am. But still, on a collective level, the current relationship that we have with our own mind, it's almost like we kind of go into a state of resignation as if this is we just this is something we kind of had to suck it up and we resign that this is as good as it gets and then we kind of just tolerate it as i guess part of just being alive this constant stream of thoughts that we get completely entangled in and identified with that have such a significant impact on how we feel and how we see and how we live and who we're being. And if we want to dive even deeper, a huge impact on the unfolding and the appearing of our reality at all, that our current state of consciousness on a collective level in relation to our own mind, well, let's just say it's time to evolve. I remember speaking to the most extraordinary teacher. I love him so much, Jaya John, Dr. Jaya John. If you haven't discovered his writing and his beautiful poetry and his immense wisdom, please check him out. I remember him saying to me back in 2020, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I just kind of zoomed out looking at the state of our species and I don't think I'm alone in thinking that we all kind of went bonkers during the pandemic and seeing the absolute worst side of human behavior and human beings. And I'm not going to go into stories and the right side and the wrong side, but more just our actual state of being and way of being was shocking the amount of rage and hate and nastiness and cancellation culture and fighting and conflict and violence and volatility it was just increasing by the minute. And of course, what is the biggest trigger to all that kind of behavior is anything that is threatening our survival, which is of course what the pandemic began. And I remember contacting Jaya and saying, oh my goodness, what is happening to our species? And he said, well, if you think of the human species, like as if it's one human being, right now the human species are currently at newborn phase or baby toddler phase. And we are now at the beginnings of growing, maturing I guess, out of that phase. And some people don't want to do it. And some people are ready to surrender and go for it. And I remember him saying that to me. And at the time, it kind of made sense. But now, three years later, it really does make sense. Because, you know, you think about how do toddlers actually behave? Emotional 
reactive impulses, big, big tantrums, stamping feet, shouting, picking fights, you know, hitting each other to try and express yourself. You know, it's very mechanical and emotional and reactive and compulsive. And so why is it, why is it that we are so driven by this reactive compulsive way of being. And I really want to highlight again, this is not a judgment. Like I too am a human being. I am not separating myself from the species. But I think if we get really, really honest with ourselves, which sometimes takes a lot of courage, you know, we can act bonkers and we don't know why. I know it doesn't fit with the perfect Instagram pictures that we get seen and shown every single day, but in the absolute truth, when you tell yourself the truth behind closed doors and sometimes even just inside your own mind, there is a lot there that you wouldn't want anyone to know about, isn't there? And we kind of just tolerate it as if it's okay and just as good as it gets. Well, I, I'm saying I, it isn't as good as it gets, but it does, if we want it to change, it requires an extraordinary amount of commitment and passion and vision in order to evolve and mature. And it begins with our relationship with our own mind, because our mind drives our feelings and our behavior and our, and our thoughts and our, the way that we see and the way that we are, it quite literally runs the show. It gives us our sense of self, our identity. It's where the story lives in the mind. The human story only exists in the mind. Time only exists in the mind. It is in the mind that we stay stuck in time, past, or projecting into the future. So it kind of seems pretty important, doesn't it, that we somehow find it in ourselves to evolve our current relationship with our own human mind. So this episode is the beginnings of the doorways of that. And I, like I said, I feel like I could do like a hundred episodes and then I want to bring on a neuroscientist and then I want to bring on a philosopher and then I want to bring on like a serious, like an elder and a spiritual teacher and people who are far wiser than me and sit with them and ask them and hear many, many teachings and voices about it. But I will begin. So let's begin. Understanding the human mind and the nature of our thoughts. So the human mind is the source of, I would say, so much suffering, but I paused because I wanted actually to say all our suffering, all our suffering. When I facilitate people through their maturation and when I have been taken through my own training, you know, I am still in training. I apprentice my teacher, Dr. David Norris, and I have sat with him every two weeks for six years now just in absolute ontological surgery of my own mind. And it is not easy. But what I consistently see is that in shifting our relationship with mind has a significant impact 
on our ability to be, our ability to experience peace and freedom, our ability to have power and effectiveness in how we live our life, our ability to create what we say we want to create, our ability to release and purge and dissolve history that lies in the cells of our body, our ability to release the past, our ability to nurture and nourish the new future. Wow. The relationship that we have with our own mind, the place in which we stand in the context to our own mind has a significant, significant impact on our quality of life and our effectiveness in this life. So what is it about the mind that causes so much suffering? Here's a few pieces of information that are just probably already common knowledge, but useful to just begin with. Firstly, thoughts. You know, most, most, like I see a lot when I look on Instagram, I'll see change your thoughts, you know, think positive thoughts. Well, if we really dive into it, we're not actually thinking. A majority of the time, it is a blind spot that it is we that is thinking. It actually takes an enormous amount of consciousness in order to consciously think. Most of the time, we are being thought by a constant stream of thoughts that are running across the mind 24-7, run by a mechanical pattern repetitive pattern device, pattern repeating device, a survival device, a survival mechanism. Most of the time we are being thought mechanically by whatever is in the memory bank. But the distinction that we haven't gotten and that it's a blind spot is that we think we are the ones that are thinking. And then we try to change what we're thinking, this constant stream of thoughts that are crossing the mind that are mechanical and driven by the survival mechanism. We think that we are thinking and then we think that it is us that is thinking and then we think that the thinking that we're thinking is wrong or right or good or bad and then we judge our own thinking and then we judge ourselves because of what we're thinking and then we try to control and manage and change our own thinking and it just causes decades and decades and decades of suffering when actually the real truth is scientifically, technologically, we are not thinking most of the time. We are being thought by a constant stream of thoughts that are mechanically driven by this survival mechanism. The little voice. I have never met a human being yet that doesn't have a little voice. Any spiritual teacher that you think is absolutely wise and beyond all this, I can tell you they also have a little voice. It's just their relationship with it is probably quite liberating. We have a little voice and it is part of the design structure of being human. In fact, you can guarantee that part of the structure of being human currently at, at our current state of evolution on the planet is a human being is comes with a head, two arms, two legs, and a little voice. 
And that little voice is constantly chattering 24-7. In fact, I saw a statistic a couple years ago that we have 80, approximately 80,000 thoughts that cross our mind every 24 hours. Woo! 80,000 thoughts every 24 hours. Just that alone, which is a relatively basic fact, can you even imagine how much energy that we are wasting trying to control and manage the stream of 80,000 thoughts that cross our mind mechanically by a pattern repeating device. Like it's not, we aren't doing anything. It's doing us. We are not thinking. We are being thought. We are thoughting. And we get confused with this thoughting as if the thoughting is who we are and we are doing it. And then we take it personally and we make it mean something about us. And then we make that mean something about us. And then we try and do something about what we make it mean about us. And then woohoo, hello, problems and suffering and repeating patterns that never stop in our life. And think of how much energy we are wasting trying to control something that is happening mechanically, streaming 80,000 thoughts every 24 hours. It just makes me want to lie down and have a nap. (laughs) The thought of trying to manage and control this. I mean, I'm laughing, but I, I know how much pain this causes. All that energy that we are wasting trying to control something that is not, we're not even doing. It's uncontrollable. Even when you're meditating into a state of stillness and you're thinking, wow, I'm so still right now. Well, who even said that? Who's even watching who's still? The little voice is always going. And the confusion is, is that we confuse the little voice with who we are. But if it is really you thinking, and this is an actual question, if you're listening, I'm asking you a question, your mind right now. If it is really you thinking, then you should be able to stop thinking. So why don't you try it right now? I'll do it with you. And you have to actually You actually have to try and do it. Otherwise, that doesn't really mean anything, this exercise. Right here, right now, stop thinking. Really, just stop it. Stop the whole thing. No, no, really, stop it. (laughs) It's impossible. You can't, can you? In fact, it, it almost flooded my mind with even more thoughts. And so... I guess the first distinction that I am unconcealing is this absolute futility, this futile way in which we try to control and manage and judge our own thoughting. And so what drives the thoughting? Well, everything that is in the memory bank and everything that is in the memory bank is the past. The human mind the human mind hasn't really evolved significantly since the caveman days. 
you know, it's wired and designed pretty much the same way. And it's wired and designed for survival. Our current state of evolution with our own human mind, our current human mind is designed for our survival. It's only designed to help us survive long enough in order to procreate, to keep the species going. It's not romantic. Our human mind doesn't care if we follow our dreams or if we thrive in life. No, there's no romance involved. The human mind is a piece of machinery that is designed to keep you alive so that you can procreate and the species can continue. But that particular design was very effective in the caveman days. You know, we go out hunting and we hear a rustling in the bushes and the mind recognizes, triggers the survival mechanism and recognizes rustle in bushes with equal saber-tooth tiger, and it activates the instinct to run, and we run. But the problem is, is that we are still living, walking through our streets, walking on the tube, on the bus, in our relationships, in our marriages, with our children, with each other, and we hear anything remotely similar to anything that we needed to once survive in our past, and it activates the same survival mechanism, and we run. That's a metaphor. It's the same design. It's the same mind. It hasn't evolved much. So it's only designed for our survival. And so even that alone, the fact that we are so identified with this this mechanism, this machinery, this very efficient design structure for survival, we're so identified with it, is that we are so identified with, with surviving. And so the human mind is the memory bank. Everything that we have absorbed and experienced, every possible thing that we have experienced and seen and heard, every piece of conditioning, every belief, everything your parents said, everything your teacher said, every magazine you ever read, every movie you ever watched, the human mind has stored it in this ruthlessly efficient memory bank. And that gives us our little voice. And in particular, if the desi- if the mind is designed for survival, what in particular are the memories that the mind will hook onto as significant points to which can make your survival more effective? It will hook onto the memories that are, are any point of perceived threat in your childhood. And we've talked about this in past episodes, but you know, it's, this is interesting and important stuff. So we're going to repeat it again. And I'm sure if you hear it again, it'll just land a little bit deeper. And so not only are we, we are being thought by a constant stream of thoughts, and then we get confused with those thoughts as if we are thinking, and it is us, and it is who we are. But the thoughting is driven and led specifically and significantly by stories, beliefs, and phrases that are attached to needing to survive. And for each one of us, that may be a different thing based on our history, based on our historical experience. If you were abandoned, if you experienced betrayal, if you had heartbreak, if your parents didn't listen to you, if you... God, the list is endless. 
If you had a perfect childhood, but your friends at school didn't want to play with you, it could be anything that can be stored as a perceived point of threat. I have worked with people in our Listening to Life program where they're standing at the steps at their new school when they're four years old and they don't want to go to school. They don't, they desperately don't want to leave their mum. But the mum really wants them to go to school. So they're experiencing this longing and resignation and anger and disappointment. And the mind makes a story about that moment in time. I never get what I want. And it seems like such an insignificant moment. We talk about it, we would never consider that such a moment in time could have such a significant impact on a human life. But when I worked with this particular human being, it quite literally colored and shaped her entire identity and her entire world, everything from that point. She always already lived in a world where she doesn't get what she wants, which has led her to constantly try to fight for what she wants. And she is in her 50s. And she has gone round and round and round and round and round again. Wow. That is how powerful the mind is. But the mind itself is not the problem. It is our relationship with mind. We don't live as if we have a mind. The mind has us. We are completely and, and blindly, this is a generalization, so I have to be a little careful. A majority of us at some point or other have been completely and wholly blindly mechanically driven by the mind and we don't even realize it. And that means that we are being driven by a need to survive. And survival has nothing to do with living. Survival has only, is only about trying to not die today. And the mind is so efficient that it will continue to track anything that looks remotely similar to frozen memories in the past that I'll use that client that I worked with in, in the program. From that moment onwards at the age of four, the mind will track. It's a pattern recognition device, recognize pattern recognition device. It will recognize anything remotely similar to anything that is about what she wants. And it will literally track it and recognize it as the same thing that needs to be survived as that four-year-old moment in time. And it will activate the entire system to flood you as if that is happening again. And we believe that it is. And then we react to it compulsively and reactively as if that is what's happening right here, right now, without really having consciousness that the past is completely contaminating our present. And then we live like that and we keep bringing the past into the future everywhere we go. We are driven 
by the past and by survival. And then we wonder, is this it? I'm tired. Surely, surely there's more. We, we, well, nowadays it's becoming more, more regular to have, you know, mind-blowing enlightenment experiences. We, we, we work with our beautiful plant medicine, or we have an extraordinary therapeutic workshop or, or an extraordinary experiential release. And we have these moments when we experience freedom and consciousness. And then it all comes but flooding back in again. And we wonder why we can't hold on to it. Real freedom is not just needing the high, the super high intense experiences. Real freedom is the everyday evolution of our relationship with our own mind. That we can stand in a space beyond mind in a space of consciousness, conscious awareness, in order to be able to see mind, not my mind, mind. As I'm talking to you, my little voice is going off, going, is my hair okay? Am I going to do all right? And is anybody going to hate me? Am I going to trigger anybody? Are they all going to think the blah, 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 blah. It's the same. It's constant. I don't even need to try and change it. You know, it, I, you know, I don't want to diminish affirmations. I love affirmations. I've done them so many times, but really, really, you, it's kind of futile. You can sit there and t- say your affirmations every single day, a hundred times every single morning. And for about 20 minutes, you'll feel good. And then the stream of noise will come back again. You have to do the affirmations again. Affirmations really, really is like putting positive thoughts on top of the same old shit ones that we had before. So it's temporary. It's a nice temporary. It makes us feel better, but we still have to wake up every day with this human mind. And so there is a more effective and evolved relationship that we can that we can commit to and grow into with this mind that we have that can actually significantly change the way we live every day that we're not always trying to manage it and control it, that we're not always identifying with it so much. So I want to give you an exercise. It's called stalking the mind. Having listened to this episode and letting it in, in your relationship with mind, I went for two weeks. Oh, it was probably, is that too long for a podcast episode? (laughs) If you can do it for two weeks, that's the most effective. But if you can even do it just for five days, write down your thoughts. Like sit down and put on paper the thoughts that you're having. When you see it, when you actually see it, and you see it over a particular period of time, you see you have to collect data over time to be able to see enough patterns to create information. And that, that all the patterns that create enough information then just get, then give us a body of knowledge and knowledge is something that becomes useful that we can use to create change. And so you need to collect enough data of your own data, whatever is chatting away constantly in your own mind, write it down. If you can do five days, great. If you can do two weeks, even better. Literally every day, oh my God, I'm too fat. I can't go outside. If anybody sees me like this, well, that is literally what I, I remember when I did this exercise, it was like 15 years ago. And that, I was like, wow, 
I am literally calling myself fat like a thousand times a day. And I didn't even know, I'm so used to it. No wonder I feel crappy. And I believe it. And I think it's me. And then I try and change it. So I literally wrote it down every single day. You know, I'd sit down for like 10, 15 minutes each day, or particularly when I was triggered, particularly when you're triggered or activated, writing, like start stalking the mind, writing it down, writing it down. And then after a few days and probably a week and even two weeks, if you want to go that far, you'll see patterns. You'll see patterns and those patterns will tell you something about you and it will make a lot of sense. And when you can see it as a mechanical stream of noise given to you by your past that you are not doing, it is doing you. That in itself should create a real distinction in your relationship with mind. So really that's kind of episode one on mind. And I'm sure I'll drop in way more episodes coming, but I think I'm going to stop there. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I I hope it is clear that when I speak about the human species, I am absolutely part of that species. (laughs) Everything I speak about, I have have had to face multiple times in my own training and in my own work and also with the privilege that I get to work with so many human beings in such deep places. We are all in this together, guys. And, you know, this is an exciting time of our evolution. If we can make it so much less personal. Yeah, what if this wasn't personal? What if this was actually to do with our species and we're part of that species? That takes it into a much, much bigger context, much bigger invitation. So I hope that you found today's episode useful. If you do find these episodes useful and you think it could help anybody that you love, please do share this podcast with the people that you love. Share with your friends and your family and your relatives, siblings, even your children, please do share it because, you know, we want it to help as many people as we can. And if you're human, everything here relates to you. And also, if you have any comments, you want to share anything with with us, any aha moments, any questions that you have, please do write in the comments below the video, or you can email us at support at nikkiclinch.com. And if you want to support the podcast, the most generous thing that you can do is go to Apple and write a review and give us a star rating so that the podcast can reach far and wide as many people as possible. Thank you so much for listening. I am Nikki Clinch, and this is the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast with Nikki Clinch. That's me, your host. If you are interested in understanding in a much more deeper way why we are the way we are as human beings, why your life unfolds the way it does, and how to access this extraordinary power and potential that is already there within you, within all of us actually, that you are curious and interested in how to access it, how to embody it, and how to start living it. And whilst discovering all these things about us as human beings and our infinite potential of being human, 
hopefully answering some unanswered questions as to what is happening in our world today. If this is what is calling you, then please do download our free three-day masterclass, Breaking the Cycle of Repeating Patterns in Your Life, Relationships and Business. Or you can head to our website, www.nikkiclinch.com and enjoy yourself with all the information, checking out the courses and the workshops and our offerings on there. Thank you so much for listening.